This week, I'm in the ring with Tucker Max, and it's brought to you by Harry's.com. We are here for Spartan Up Podcast, and it is a odd rainy day here in Pittsfield. I've got myself, I've got Dr. Johnny, I've got Sephra L, and I've got Colonel Nye. Marion's on the camera, and we're gonna t hang out with uh, Tucker Max today, who's um, a self-proclaimed Young lady. Excuse my forgetting soap. I don't know if we can say that or not, but he, he writes extremely popular books. He's very uh, well-read, very smart, um, great writer, and uh, I had a lot of fun with him. I think you guys are gonna get a kick out of this. Yeah, and, and I'll say that um, this interview actually totally turned me around on him. I wasn't a fan going into this. Watching it, I'm a big fan, so, so check it out. You'll see why. This is like an MMA uh, conversation. Right, right. <laughs> no, it's a very different sort of cardio. Like, yeah. uh, it's, um, uh, I, For I those of you who don't, don't know, we are in a, a, they call this the Octagon? Yeah. Mm -hmm. With Tucker Max, and we're gonna be talking about uh, food, fighting, and f I, I love it, I love all three. They're <laughs> all my right. favorite subjects. But we were talking about cardio right now, right. and you're saying MMA is a different kind this of- This is a different type of cardio. We'll get people that come in to train who are accomplished distance runners, or something, whatever. They're good at, at sort of cardio, but it's, you know, it's um, a very sort of different use of muscles and they'll get blown out after a minute, two minutes because you'll get tense and they get so flexed the whole time and then they're just totally exhausted. My, my, uh, my two boys, I get, I get to brag a little bit here, my two boys are um, one's seven, one's nine. Right. One was seven, one was eight. All they do is MMA type training, right. two hours a day, seven days a week. They both ran marathons just from that yeah, training. So, exactly. So it works. Yeah, they yeah, they, yeah. they well, don't run, they don't... So. The first time I ever did CrossFit, I, I walked in and I was like, I'd only, you know, I'd never really, I mean, I've lifted weights, but I'd never done CrossFit. And uh, like, I set the whatever for the, the wad was for the day, like I won it. It, it was like, it was a wad that fit what, what I could do really well, like sure. a bunch of push-ups and kettlebell shit. But it, right, the instructor was like, what the f is this? You've never done CrossFit and you're winning but from, But from the MMA. Right, exactly, yeah. just from MMA shape. Yeah. Sure. Mm -hmm. All right, so let's talk. This is all about success, right? How, whether you're a monk, an MMA fighter, or a business person, um, what techniques from your experience, the books you've written, your successes, can you teach us? Attributes we should, we should hone in on, uh, tricks, whatever it may be, that'll help make us more successful, more motivated, just better people. Right, so uh, I'm not a very good uh, MMA fighter. I don't do it for money, I just train for fun. But I've actually learned an immense amount from MMA and Jiu-Jitsu. One of the first things, actually, that apply to business, that I've, I've applied to uh, sort of business and art, right? One of the very first things I remember uh, when I walked into the first MMA, um, or the first uh, Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu class I took, my instructor told me, he said, um, you know, don't get nervous, don't get afraid, you're going to get submitted, doesn't matter. There's no losing in here. Uh, in Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, in training, there's only winning and learning. The only way to lose is to not train. And I was like, oh, that's fucking great. Like, winning uh, and learning. Winning and learning. And at first I was like, I was like, okay, that's a cool saying, but it didn't really connect. 
And then you get on the mat, right? And the, the first time you do Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, it's the most frustrating shit you've ever done in your life. You feel like you're sinking in quicksand because everything you do makes it worse, right? right? You don't know how to move, you don't know how to defend, and if you struggle, it just makes it worse. So it's like all your instincts are wrong, and you just get choked out and tapped out just over and over and over and over, right? And uh, if you're used to tying your identity to like success, then it's crippling and crushing, right? And so at the end of the class, I was like, all right, so I guess I learned a lot today. Uh-huh. But like, I laugh about it, but it actually helps. And um, I, it's let me, funny. Let me, let me stop you there one second. Keep that thought. Is uh, We interviewed Kyle Dake. I don't know. He's a wrestler. Um, only wrestler in history to go up four weight classes and win national titles every year. Young kid, right. young 20s. And he said one of the big things, one of the big reasons he's so successful, he believes, is his mother said there's never a bad day. Which is kind of what you're saying, yeah. right? You're, yeah, yeah, yeah. you're always there's always something good to come out. Well, of it. it depends how you frame your experiences, right? Right. right. And it, you can frame them as because everything that happens happens, and how we interpret it is really how it impacts us, right? Which is actually a very Buddhist uh, sort of uh, sensibility too. Is that what you think about what happens is determines uh, sort of whether it's good or bad? And um, I don't know if I believe in that fully, but definitely like. Uh, when, whenever you have any sort of conflict situation, you figure out the way to learn from it. Even if you fail, then you can turn almost everything into some, some way positive. It doesn't mean, oh, it's great, I'm so happy that you know, this car wreck happened or whatever, but um, learning from failure uh, is one of the most important things I've learned in business creativity. I mean, I'm a writer. The first stuff I ever wrote was dog it was terrible. The only way I got to be a good writer is by learning from my failures and getting better and better and better, just marginally better every day. Same thing with jujitsu. Uh, that's only. I'm mean, not that I'm good, but I got better than I was that first day, only from learning from. What, if, those what, what if you're not getting um, the taste of those little successes? What if your writing's not getting a little better? Right. You're right. You're still losing every day. Well, then, there are some guys that'll stay in the gym and keep coming back, right? And those right. are amazing people. Right. There's a lot of people out there watching us saying, how am I going to keep going? That's an excellent question. So um, probably step two of learning how to, um, or accepting that failure as an instructor and a teacher is making sure that you uh, you, you get incrementally better. And one of the best ways is to find someone who's done what you're trying to do and can sort of shorten the learning curve for you. Like the reason I got good at jujitsu quickly or I improved quickly was because I had an amazing teacher and uh, he helped me. He understood how I learned. I'm not a kinesthetic learner, like a physical learner. I'm a very sort of rational intellectual learner. So he walked me through everything step by step. Like every move I would do, he'd be like, that's wrong. Here's exactly why it's wrong. Here's the right thing to do, right? And uh, and I was willing to listen and learn. I didn't take um, sort of that as, as a, him saying, you did that wrong was not me hearing I'm wrong. It was just an action was wrong and I correct the action and make it right. right. So I had a great mentor and I had the right mindset to where uh, I saw failure as a way to improve, not sort of a judgment of, of me as a person. And that in jujitsu allowed me to improve quickly and in writing it allowed me to improve quickly. So te- a teacher is key. A mentor, right. Key. Someone who's done what you're trying to do or, or at least knows how to teach you and uh, can help you sort of see your mistakes and figure out why they're mistakes and then how to improve them greatly speeds up the learning curve. 
What do they say when the student is ready, the teacher will appear, right? <laughs> I don't know about that. Like, uh, sometimes you got to go look for your teacher. Yeah. Like, uh, sometimes destiny doesn't fall to you. If you just sit around, like, if you sit in your house waiting, all right, I'm ready to get good at uh, wrestling. You know, where's my coach? Doesn't work. You got to go to the gym and find one. We, we recently interviewed somebody who, who had a really brilliant idea, I thought, and they said, um, volunteer. Like, if you're into something, go sure. volunteer and be a great volunteer because you're going to meet amazing people and find that teacher. It took me um, four or five MMA coaches before I found one that really clicked with me and, and I got. But then once I, I got it, it was like I got, I improved rapidly. Exponentially better. Right. Yeah. I, I improved much quicker than I was under anyone else. Again, it's not like I'm good, but it, it, for me, the rate of change was, was important. And I got to be at least a mediocre fighter in a short period of time simply because I found the right teacher who clicked with me. It's not even that the other four were bad. They just... I didn't, I didn't get it from so, All right, so let's recap before we take a burpee break. We'll do some burpees in the <laughs> octagon. We got, um, we got one, you're never losing, you're just learning. Two is find a mentor or a teacher, mm -hmm. right? Right, and then make sure that, that uh, sort of the, the thing that connects those is you want the mentor or teacher to, to teach you. You want to be open to listening to the critiques to make sure that you're not... Um, you don't look at failure as a, as a reflection of your identity. You look at failure as a way to improve, right? right? So every failure is an opportunity to improve if you have a good teacher who's telling you what you're doing wrong and how to get better, right? That's the connection. Good stuff. Let's take a break. Burpees. I hope you're not sitting still while you listen. If you are, you better get a burpee break in. I just got my first Harry's delivery, and I got the best shave I've had in a long time at an amazing price. Harry's.com was started by two guys passionate about creating a better shaving experience for all men. Harry's bought a razor factory in Germany that has been crafting some of the world's highest quality blades for almost a century. Shipping is free, and the blades go from their German factory straight to your door at factory direct prices. So go to Harry's.com now, and Harry's will give you $5 off if you type in my code SPARTANUP with your first purchase. That's H-A-R-R-Y-S dot com, and enter coupon code SPARTANUP at checkout for $5 off the starter set, and start shaving smarter today. Those burpees sucked. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so um, something you said while we were doing burpees was, um, as human beings, we're all chasing status and women in the case of men. Same, right. thing, same thing apply for women? Yeah, well, of course. You, you, humans are looking for mates. So, you know, women, the mates are men. Men, the weights, uh, mates are women. We look for slightly different things, though. Men, uh, are, men have to compete to get sex. Women have to compete to get uh, sort of long-term partners. But we're still competing. Uh, like, women are competing with other women. Men are competing with other men to get women. Yeah, but yeah. And so knowing that, right, because, again, we're looking for little secrets um, for success. Knowing that, how can we use that to our advantage? Well, um, I'll, I'll tell you a quick way. Whenever you deal with anyone in any situation, you should be asking yourself, what do they want? Right? What, right. what do they want in life overall, and what do they want out of this exchange? Because everyone wants something. And so once you understand sort of who they are in life, what they value overall, and what they want in this exchange, then you can figure out the path forward. Because if you can give them what they want, then almost certainly you're going to get what you want from them. Right. And that makes sort of interactions really easy. And then it makes it really easy to understand people. I get so many people coming. And you're very successful. I'm sure you get the same thing. People coming to me asking me for things and offering nothing. And it's like, 
<laughs> yeah, dude, let me just set my life aside to help you with some shit I don't care about. Like, what, the, what is wrong with Was you? It, you? You're a famous writer. I read somewhere this um, analogy that, that basically described that, which was a woman's husband experiences a heart attack, right. falls on the ground near a car, and she's looking for help. She needs a doctor. Right. Somebody runs over and you know, opens up the guy's chest and says, um, you know, I'm a really good guy. She's like, I don't give a fuck. I need a fucking doctor, right? But, and I don't cheat. Right. Um, and so, I mean, that's the, that's the point, right? She needs something right then, and, and there's just a, a disconnect with what's being supplied. Exactly. I, I, I tell, uh, especially young kids all the time who come to me for advice or whatever help, I'm like, offer something. Right? Like if you're, if you, we just talked about uh, in the segment before finding a good mentor and a teacher, not always easy, right? One of the best ways to sort of find a good mentor is to have something to offer. And it can be a, a multitude of things, but um, you know, even, even simple things like, uh, you know, like, uh, God, No, if it? I own the, the MMA gym we're in right now and somebody walked in and said, hey, listen, I want to clean your windows every day and up the floor, I'd give me. An extra, I, I, I'd be listening. <laughs> give me an extra half hour of specific instruction, right. and I'll do these six things for you. Do it in two Done. seconds. Done. Easy. Yeah, there seems to be a disconnect because I get hundreds, and as you do, hundreds and hundreds of kids that need stuff but really don't want to wash the windows or mop the floor. Or they don't even. It's not even that a lot of them. Some are just entitled and unwilling. Right. But there's another category that don't even understand they have to offer something. You know, it's like they don't realize that an exchange of value lies at the very core of human interaction. Right. And they haven't really thought of it. And no one's taught them this. Like, right. you know, it's not that, and when I say exchange of value, I'm not saying every interaction is like a commercial, I pay you for this. But even a, even a, a mentor can, can take a lot of value out of having someone to teach. But it, you need to fit a certain profile, right? To, right? For them to take sort of something out of it. And like, it's like it doesn't even enter into their thought process that, oh, I need to think about this person's subjective experience, what they value, what they want in life, uh, what they're looking for out of this exchange. Can I offer any of this? And if I can't, how can I change my life or get it so that I offer them something they want so that they're going uh, to be... Because interact? at the end of the day, you're the one looking for something. So you need to figure that out. When you go into a store, if they don't have anything you want, do you give them money anyway? Right. Of course not. Right. Same thing in human interactions. It's just indirect. It's great that you're able to verbalize it so well because I haven't been able to in 45 years on the planet. <laughs> so, well, but my, you're a writer. It's my job to write these things, yeah. think about these things and write, turn them into words, so I hope so. Yeah, and so, and, and so that applies to status? Talk about status a bit. Um, no, no, I mean, that's sort of just like one small thing that I think a lot of people can understand. But yes, uh, status is something that most people are looking. In fact, everyone always wants to increase their status. Uh, but the thing you have to understand is that almost everyone measures status differently, at least um, on specific levels, right? So if I'm an MMA instructor, let's say I own this gym, then I care about status, uh, let's say, in this neighborhood. I care about status uh, in the MMA community in this city. I care about status in the MMA community overall. I mean, like, I care about the status in my family, among my group of friends. So there's, like, six different groups, let's say, I care about status. But, but if I don't care about status in the tech community, right? Because I'm not in that community. I don't care. Whereas someone else will care quite a bit about that. So um, that's an easy, easy way to understand uh, how to offer value and understand a person is, 
ask yourself what communities do they care about their status in? You know, like that's a very simple, clear way. And if you can raise someone's status in their community, you can get people to do a lot of things that you, they think you're you, going to help you their win. status. Yeah, you win. Um, fa which favorite exercise? I know it's um, you know Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu or MMA, but but specific to like favorite way to work out. Yeah, favorite way to work out a specific exercise. Um, all right, I'll be a little bit narcissistic. I actually like uh, bench press because I'm the I, I'm good at it, right? right. And so um, I can usually for height weight do a lot of weight on on bench, and so like which there, frustrates there's me. There's that status thing. Right, exactly, right. <laughs> exactly, right. right. Which frustrates me because in CrossFit you almost never do bench. It's always like you know deadlifts or clean and jerks or whatever, and I'm okay at that. But like whenever we do push up stuff, I crush it, crush right? It. Yeah. yeah, and uh, and so I, like I was joking with my instructor the other day. I'm like. I think we should mainly just, we should call this primarily push-ups and do that like all the time. He's like, no, that's the only thing you're good at. We're going to do what you're not good at. Sure, sure. And then uh, last thing, obstacle immunity is a term we use a lot. I don't know if you've heard it, where we think if we get people out doing Spartan races, they're going to experience those obstacles and uh, hopefully get more proficient at dealing with obstacles, right? right? Like the ones you described mm -hmm. earlier. Um, something, something you believe in? Something, it makes sense to you? Why? What's your reasoning? Um, because I think people flip out and do stupid things. For instance, I'm out riding on the road, uh, cycling, and uh, I'm three inches too far into the road, and that pickup truck goes crazy, honks their horn, throws a bottle of soda at me, and I'm thinking, what is going wrong in that human being's day to cause that reaction, right? right. If they, maybe if they spent the day with barbed wire and fire and walls. Right. With shit that's dangerous. Say, like, they're not gonna turning their steering wheel like a quarter an inch right. probably wouldn't flip them out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, that's, of course, like, no doubt, like, facing uh, great ops, greater obstacles makes smaller obstacles seem less, yeah, yeah less, uh, less big. I mean, that's one of the, the things that I, uh, MMA taught me is, like, uh, it turned the volume down on almost everything else in my life in terms of, like, how I reacted being, to being it. Being frustrated. Exactly. Yeah. Like, yeah. Um, it's not like I was getting in fights before, but uh, as soon as I started MMA, it was like every interaction I had with p other people was just way calmer. And I realized, it took me a while to understand, I realized it was because I was so much more confident in myself. Like, uh, I, because what MMA does is that it tests you and you know where you stand. Whether you're the worst guy in the gym or the best, you know where you are. And so you know who you are and there's no, you don't have to, you're not... You're not somebody you're not. Right, and you're not worrying <laughs> right. about figuring out where you stand in relation to this guy because right. you know who you are. Which probably a lot of the noise um, comes from. Exactly, right. exactly. So, uh, like, I'm confident in my sort of position uh, because I've been tested, which is very similar, it sounds like, to what you're saying. Yeah. Uh, obstacles are obstacles. It could be on the mats. It can be out in mud. Yeah, it's, al it it's, almost, um, it's almost like a rite of passage that we don't have anymore in the cult, right? So whether it's in the MMA gym or on the Spartan course, people need that and I think what you're saying is they need to know where they stand. Yes, exactly. Right? It's very difficult in modern society to understand because we have so many different uh, sort of uh, status ranges and status and groups and whatever and knowing where you stand in the group is very difficult in most places which is why um, I think hierarchy like the strict hierarchy of military seems rigid, and it is, but it's also comforting to the people in it because it's very defined and it's very structured. They know and there's they no are. ambiguity. I'm a captain, you're a colonel, that means you're in charge and that's it, right? Whereas like, you know, in businesses, it can be so amb ambiguous and other things. And the cool thing about MMA is that 
There's no discussion about who's better. You just get on the mats, and then that's just it. And, and if you lose, it's like, all right, like, no problem. Like, I don't feel bad. This guy just beat me, and that's... You, it's, it's not hard to accept losing It's uh, if you lose. What's hard to accept, I think, for most people is the, um, the ambiguity. Uh, humans crave certainty. Obstacles give you certainty. You either so, beat so it or you don't. Bonus question. This is, we're, we're out of time, but I want to do this anyway. Um, we've all, I'm sure you've wrestled with it in business. Anybody in business has wrestled with it, especially if they built their own business. Um, arguments, business partner stuff, whatever. And I was recently talking to somebody who um, is going through some trouble. And we got into this discussion, well, in the old days, if you were living behind the palace walls, like your cousin or your brother or the guy closest to you might try to kill you to get the wife and the gold. And that's got to be a human condition that still exists somewhere inside of us. Is that what we're talking about? Is, is, was there ambiguity there? As like, uh, Yeah, I mean, humans, evolve, humans are very uh, well evolved to navigate complex social uh, sort of arrangements. So that's always existed, especially within tribes or groups or whatever. Because, you know, like, I, I, I can cheat on my wife, she can cheat on me, um, I can have alliances that break down, things like that, right? Um, th that's, that's always part of the game. Even in, a even in the strict military hierarchy, it's not uh, absolute, right? Because nothing, what, what, in, what is absolute in life? Nothing. Yeah, right. What a hierarchy does or what a sort of status does is that, defined status is that it, gives you some certainty in a world that is ultimately chaotic and without certainty, which is really kind of an illusion. But a lot of, I think, what we do as humans is finding and creating illusions that make life easier sort of to live with or to navigate, at least in the short term. And that's what religion is. Yeah, right. He's a really bright guy. And, you know, clearly uh, he wrote some controversial books before that I thought were kind of taking easy targets, but he seems actually like a smart, intelligent guy with some pretty good life lessons in there, too. What, uh, what jumped out at you? What did you really like that, that he said? I was going to say, I like the one about there's, no, there's only winning and learning. I, I just think that's a phenomenal phrase. You yeah. Know what I mean? Basically, how, do you, how do you teach that to a young kid, right? Yeah, that's, and then he talked about the learning curve, and the quicker mm -hmm. you can find a way to make, to, to make that curve smaller, I guess, is right. the, the quicker you will learn. And obviously, the quicker you learn, the better you become. You know? so it's, yeah. But it's... It, it, Winning and learning, so there's no losing. There's no losing. You know, so mm -hmm. I, I just think that's no a great way to look ribbons. at it. You know, if you, if you do the analysis and you do the work to get better from that, whatever that failure was, you know, so. And when you asked how do you teach that to kids, the other thing I thought that he said that was really important that we should teach to kids is the idea of figure out how you can be of value. And what and he mm -hmm. said, in any exchange, any interaction, what the person wants to know is what's in it for them. And you need to go into it from the standpoint of what can I provide to this person? It's always an exchange of energy. And he said, it drives them crazy when people come up and say, I want this and this and this and this. And he says, I'm not going to do that for you. As opposed to in every single life. situation. And he talks about men and women, right? He says, you know, men need to understand that women want something. I need to be able to provide something and, and vice versa. So, you know, he's taking um, pretty, pretty base economics, but turning it into something that's actually pretty powerful. It's so, it's so simple, right? I mean, you, all these kids that are out there right now interviewing for jobs, if they yeah. just understood that, what are they bringing to the table as opposed to what are they getting, right? It's like Absolutely. the guy that, that's doing the interview, that, that's being, the guy that's being interviewed and asking about vacation time. Yeah, sure, sure. Right? Yeah, yeah. Not, yeah. not a good tactic. <laughs> Not again. <laughs> 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 well, like here's what I can say. I think another thing is speaking of like the 
the teaching and the learning is one thing he says is the right teachers come along when the student's ready <laughs> and like uh, in my journey which has been a slightly bohemian one I've really found that that's true you know you it's we keep on talking about the pebble in the pool the concentric rings getting up in the morning setting your intentions if you're putting that out there and you're walking your talk and you're living your legacy and you're finding your true north or whatever it is and you're just on your path as robin says go then the people that you need to meet and the lessons you need to learn if you're like open and positive and aware they're there for you and there's lessons to be learned from everyone and as joe keeps on saying you know it's really important to have respect for your elders and ask your elders and people who've been on this path and who've learned so much you know there's a lot to be learned from well, he's got like a bunch say, of books out there. He, he yeah. does. And I, I, like I say, I, I'm going to go out and, and read because I found him to be an engaging guy. And yeah. obviously, as we said, a very smart guy, very articulate. He may, maybe used some salty language and he might be writing about some Love things. salt. You know, when he's talking about men, men compete for sex and women compete for a partner, kind of, I think <laughs> is what he said. Yeah. Or, 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 or uh, looking for protection more, you know, kind of thing, long term. Yeah. You know, that's just, I, I think people know that. Anyway, but, but, well, yeah, I mean, he's, but he, he has the guts to say it. Good guts to say it, and kind of, you know, when you see Vayner that that style. smoking out woman with the with the old guy or the old rocker, it's about money, right? It's right. about all those not kinds always. of things. What is it about? The rose bushes? What, what is it about? <laughs> some people like companionship, and some things work for like security and protection, and it's not right, always security. about money. But that's money provides the security and the protection. And, that's exactly and, what and, I'm saying. In certain cases, but in the middle of Appalachia, there might be some older people with some younger women. And I don't think, no, uh, blessings uh, to the mountains. And I'm going to, I'm going to shamelessly pander for the, uh, the female, um, oh, uh, respect. Oh. Maybe they're in love, Sephra. Maybe yeah. they're in love. I'm just, I'm just shocked. Right. that none of you guys are probably in love. Yeah. God. Well, well, here's a, what, what kind of beer do you think they drink in Haiti? Is that some cayenne pepper? <laughs> Anyways, if you uh, hot, hot spice. Have a actually, if you want to find out us? what kind of beer they serve in hell, right? Go to uh, uh, SpartanUpPodcast.com and our mixology corner. There you go. Uh, see you. See you. See you soon. <laughs> oh my God! No. Thank you for listening to another epic story of success. For show notes, video, and audio of this episode. Visit SpartanUpPodcast.com backslash 064 or follow us on Twitter at SpartanUpPod. The SpartanUp Podcast is brought to you by Spartan. To find a race near you, visit Spartan.com. Spartan.